usual vault rules apply. Touch not, lest ye be touched. Hey, I tried to teach you how to handle comics in the sixth grade, but oh no, you wanted to play Little League instead. Greetings, Bucketheads! Mavar Tigar, welcome to the 48th comic book protecting episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is via social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Hey, please make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing this show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. And if possible, so inclined, and you're listening on Apple Podcast, please, sweet, 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 five-star reviews, absolutely critical to crushing the algorithm that that holds us down, that oppresses us, that keeps us from, from so many ears. But hey, that's all right. That's why you're here. You're going to help us spread the word. The, the, the Man Division Army grows, and the good deeds that we do cannot be outmatched. Thank you so much for supporting this small independent podcast. Once again, it means the world to me. We have a different episode. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We wrapped up Season 1 of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And before we get into Season 2, uh, it seemed like a good time to kind of touch base with some of the other aspects of Star Wars fandom, of Star Wars uh, of culture that's out there right now. And, and what better way to do that than to, to kind of go back into my, my roots, uh, in, into my history as a Star Wars fan. And let's talk about what's going on in the Star Wars comic books right now, particularly the main Star Wars comic at this moment. We're going to talk about the first year's worth of issues from Marvel's Star Wars volume, what is it, what, three, four? I've lost track. I'm going to double check that (laughs) in just a second. But I'm excited. This has been a really exciting uh, opening salvo since they relaunched the book uh, in early 20, God, it was back in uh, January 2020 that they they relaunched. Uh, And then there was a pause as the pandemic kicked in and publishing grinded to a halt and now it's back so we finally got the first year's worth of issues out a little later than probably planned but that's okay we still got our star wars books and let me just tell you right now it's a delight it's a delightful comic so before we get into the main chat hey we gotta do what we gotta do now it's time strap on your buckets let's go we would be honored if you would join us hey all right so i think i've mentioned on previous episodes of the podcast uh, how Star Wars comic books, in particular, were a really big uh, part of my of continuing my fandom. You know, going back in time. Again, I've mentioned before. I am I am a middle aged man, so uh, going back to the eighties. You know, Return of the Jedi finished in nineteen eighty three. I was five or six years old at the time, and and so we we lived with Star Wars via TVs. You know, whenever it would air on ABC. Uh, network television, you know, on the weekends, usually like a big Sunday night show would be watching Star Wars when it would when it would air, usually once a year or so. Uh, and then eventually, by the late '80s, we'd finally gotten a VCR, so we were able to watch. Via, in, in purchasing Star Wars was a, was a big deal, and a, actually a very big deal. I, I should, in case you're not clear on this, video cassettes, those big clunky video cassettes, but basically the miniature reel to reels, um, very expensive. Uh, so it was a big deal that our parents, my brother and I's parents, bought us the Star Wars trilogy to watch 
on our VCRs. And we watched them nonstop. We wore those video cassettes out. And they were they were these beautiful cassettes too because they had this just this, this iconic art on them. I, I want to say there was Drew Struzan art on all three of them uh, on Star Wars Empire and and Jedi. But I'll have to double check that. My brother actually has the video cassette still. So I'll have to hit him up and see if that's accurate. Maybe maybe get him to uh, send me a picture of them that I can share on social media with everybody. But we live on those videotapes. And, you know, there was there was nothing else after that. It was, you know, there was the Ewoks movies every now and then in the mid-'80s, which you can now watch on Disney+. And uh, there was a, the Droids cartoon was on for a bit with, with the Ewoks animated series. And then Star Wars, you know, by the late-'80s, early-'90s, was kind of gone. And... You know, we loved it so much. We watched it all the time. Still, it didn't. It didn't matter that there wasn't new stuff. Well, it mattered. <laughs> Let's be honest. But we we were we were we would have to be content with what we had. Uh, and then the, the early '90s is about the time that I began to get into comic books. And I was in my pre, slightly preteens, like I want to say I was 12ish, 12ish years old, maybe 13. You know, early teen years when I started getting into comic books and going to comic book stores. And again, I was young. I didn't have a job, so I, I would go with my, my the little bit of allowance that I had, and I'd pick up stuff off the shelves, off the racks, whatever I could find, whatever interested me. But I didn't know about uh, advanced sales and and you know the the marketing, the advanced marketing that that the comic industry was based on. So I had no idea what the things that were going on at the time. I just was like, oh, I, w- I just want to get these Spider-Man comics, or I just want to get these. And then uh, I started going to uh, little small local comic book conventions that were in my area. I remember going to one in particular, a small little ballroom at the Marriott Hotel in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and uh, finding a table with a guy who had Star Wars comics on it, and the original Marvel Star Wars comics from the 70s. And I was like, these are so cool. I want these so badly. And they were insanely cheap. Because there was no Star Wars going on. There was no hype for this. There was no demand for these Star Wars comics. So I got the original first six issues of Star Wars for like 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And now those are probably pretty expensive. I'll be honest, they are very expensive now. I, I don't have a full run of that original 77 series. Uh, because, again, I started getting these when I was a teenager. And I didn't have a lot of money for a long, long time. Uh, I have stretches of the of the book. But some of the issues are actually very hard to find. At least in good condition and, and for prices that I thought were reasonable. Now, uh, in, in the last 20 years or so, those prices have skyrocketed. And so they, they became even harder for me to obtain because of the, of the skyrocketing value. But I still have those first six. I think I have most of the, the Empire arc in the middle there with Boba Fett and everybody, and, and, and various issues in between. Um, and I'm really proud of having those in my collection, actually. And so that was neat. And then at that same convention, I go to another table where another dealer has... Star Wars Dark Empire, and I didn't know what this was. The comic book store that I was frequenting, they didn't have this book at the time. Uh, I think it might have just sold out on there, so I never even saw it. And I, I, I caught a glimpse of this, and he, he had, I think at the time he had uh, four, five, and six, if I'm remembering correctly. And I was like, oh man, this looks really cool. I want to get these, but how am I going to read this if I don't have the first three issues? And uh, the the dealer I don't I wish I could remember the man's name he was a very very nice man he said listen I don't have one in three on one two and three on me I have more copies of it at my store here's my card if you want buy these three and then come to my store during the week you know whatever and and I'll get you the first three issues and and that was tremendously nice and and so we took that card I was there with 
uh, with my mother, who <laughs> couldn't believe that she was there with me. And and so later during that week, I think after school one day, we drove up to this guy's store in, in Damascus, Maryland, a very rural part of Montgomery County, Maryland. And he had a really nice small little store. And uh, he remembered me from the from the convention, from the ballroom, and he got the, those three issues. I didn't have to pay too much for them. They were back issues at that point, so they did have a little value to them. Uh, but he, he it was really nice, really good deal. I was happy with it. Allowance well spent. And we went home, and I read Star Wars: Dark Empire. And uh, again, then then like the next week, my store that I shop at had the collected edition on their shelves, and I ended up buying that too. So <laughs> again, allowance well spent. But those were published through Dark Horse in like 1992. It was a, a bi-monthly series. I didn't know this at the time, but it came out bi-monthly. I think it started in December of 92-ish and finished by like October of that following year. And it was shortly after that that I discovered them. And then it became I became obsessed. I was like, oh my gosh, this is how I'm going to read Star Wars. This is how I'm going to continue my, my Star Wars fandom. And Dark Empire was awesome. There was so much cool stuff in there. The visuals, the continuing saga of, 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 the, of Han and Leia and Luke and, and Chewbacca and everybody uh, was just captivating and fascinating. The, the resurrection of Emperor Palpatine in a young clone body with him wielding a lightsaber. It was something we hadn't seen before and it was, it was amazing. Uh, and the, probably the most, the, the, the biggest fanboy moment I had through the whole experience was, I think it was issue four, when out of the blue, I mean, the cover kind of shows it. So you're like, you know, but when you read through it the first time around and you, and you, and you, Boba Fett comes back on the smuggler's moon of Narshada and he's pursuing Han and Leia, man, ooh, I still think about that. And I get the goose bumples, I get the goose flesh, the heart skips a beat because that was one of those moments where you're just like, what? I can't believe they're doing this. This is amazing. And then he says, you know, Boba Fett has that line. How about this? How the Sarlacc found him somewhat indigestible. And yeah, I just was, the, the, the imagination, the spirit was captured. And so, uh, yeah, I became a big fan of Dark Horse comics, the Star Wars line in particular, and, and bought every single Star Wars comic I could get. It was also about this time that the, the Timothy Zahn uh, Thrawn series started in novel form. And again, I would eventually come around to picking those up, I think a year or two later. I think I initially bought them as paperbacks. Um, and, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're, I, I'm in this wonderful world now where Star Wars is going on in, in comic books and novels. And I was so happy. So, so happy. And then years, a couple years later, we get the special editions of the movies. And then all of a sudden the prequels get announced. And it becomes the Star Wars world that we're living in now. And yeah, it's, it's, again, we're in a great place right now as fans. It's so wonderful. But for, for a, you know, quite a while, for a handful of years, I was sustained by novels and comic books. And so the Star Wars comics have always been near and dear to my heart. I have stuck with them through thick and thin. There are highs and lows, much like any of, 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 the, of the canon, or of the, of the media that is out there for all fandoms. So it's really nice when you get the good stuff. And listen, I'll be honest, like, again, there's highs and lows when Dark Horse had the book. Uh, and I was a little, I was a little upset. I've talked about it before. When Marvel, and I'm sorry, when Disney bought Star Wars and when they bought Marvel and they decided that, well, hey, we own a comic book company now. We're giving the license back to Marvel. Again, all the Dark Horse stuff becomes legends, just like the old novels. And, and you know, that all bothered me too. But at the same time, th this was sort of my way into the new canon because I was going to read Star Wars comics no matter what. The novels, the new novels, I have been a little bit more resistant to. I have started to slowly dip into those and, and, and kind of understand the new canon and where they're going with certain things. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. I've talked about how much I'm enjoying uh, the High Republic stuff, but 
I'm not, no offense to, to Mr. Wendig, but I'm not enjoying the Star Wars Aftermath books uh, very much. I don't know how you all feel about those. Please let me know if I'm wrong. I'm in the second book right now, and again, I'm not, I'm not really digging it that much. But again, highs and lows. Marvel, having the Star Wars books, has been a real, real treat. And they kicked off their, their, their big relaunch of Star Wars, the main title, uh, with, in, in, two, in January 2015. They started with, with Jason Aaron on, uh, on the writing, and, uh, oh my gosh, I just blanked on his name. Wonderful artist. He did some, uh, uh, John Cassidy, John Cassidy, excuse me, he did some wonderful stuff with uh, Astonishing X-Men back in the day. And so these two start off with this really great six-issue run. And the, the biggest difference between Marvel's Star Wars books and Dark Horse's Star Wars books is it seems like the Marvel books are really going for it. They're taking big swings at everything. And I don't know if that's because everything's kind of more in-house now. Like, it's, you know, Lucasfilm and Star Wars, and, and excuse me, Lucasfilm and Marvel are kind of all under the same umbrella now. So communication's a lot easier. There's a lot more back and forth. And, and you can kind of pitch your ideas and make it all make sense. I don't know what kind of uh, arrangement Dark Horse had with Lucasfilm at the time and how much restrictions were placed on them. It seems like Marvel can get to do a little bit more than Dark Horse could. And, and maybe maybe one day we'll be fortunate enough to have one of the editors from, from the Star Wars line, from Dark Horse's time, come on and talk about that. That'd be so much fun. So I may have to start reaching out to some people because I think that'd be a really interesting conversation. But that, that is the first thing that caught my attention, was they, they were going for it, big swings. I, I don't, it, it's a six-year-old comic at this time, so I don't feel too guilty about spoiling this. But I mean, they introduced Boba Fett into the, into the mythology a lot earlier than we got him beforehand. He engages in combat with Luke Skywalker at Darth Vader's discretion, because Darth Vader wants to know who destroyed the Death Star. He wants to know who this pilot was. So he hires Boba Fett to find out. And, and it's great. Again, this volume takes place right after the events of the first film. So you're picking up with the Rebels evacuating from, from Yavin base. And again, Vader's pissed. Vader's pissed. He wants to know who this kid is who blew up the Death Star. And Boba Fett, of course, obtains the information. The end of the first arc is, is Boba Fett revealing to Darth Vader the name Luke Skywalker. And the just quiet rage, the simmering, boiling anger of Darth Vader, no words, just a closed fist and a view screen on a Death Star, or, or excuse me, on a Star Destroyer, crack spider webbing, you know, just around him as he uses the Force, as the Force just boils with rage around him. And that's just the first six issues. And they did some really neat stuff. They they cover the time from the death, the, from the, the Battle of Yavin to getting to Hoth and building Echo Base. That is volume one of this current run of Star Wars. And by the way, I did look to see what volume this is, and I guess I, could, I guess it seems like they've done away with volume numbers as far as that goes, because there's nothing in this new comic that indicates. It just says Star Wars number one, January two, uh, 2020. So this new comic, this new run, we'll just refer to this as Star Wars 2020. I guess that's the only way we really can. So we had volume one. See, I'm doing volumes already, so I guess this is volume two of the new Marvel stuff, if that makes sense. I'll try to keep it simple, I promise, I swear. <laughs> but let me tell you all the reasons why I really, really like this new comic book series, uh, and I think you will dig it too. So this new volume is between the events... Uh, excuse me. This, this new volume takes place after the events of The Empire Strikes Back. So we are, we are talking about 
you know, Leia and Chewie and Luke escaping from Bespin with Lando Calrissian. A very angry Darth Vader is not able to capture them. And, and this is where it picks up. And why I like this is because there's a big bridge, to, a big swath of time to cover between the events of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Now, we've had comics and novels that, that have taken place in that period. Um, but I think this might be already supplanting them after only 12 issues. I really like the way this has started. I love what they've done with the characters in this. And again, this is the, this is a period of time without possibly, probably my, my favorite of the heroes. No Han Solo. No Han Solo. So what do you have? You have a distraught and angry Chewbacca, a distraught and upset Princess Leia who must balance her personal needs to save Han Solo, her personal desires to save Han Solo with the responsibilities of, of bringing the rebels together. Remember, the rebels completely scattered across the galaxy after, after having to evacuate Echo Base, after having to evacuate Hoth. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about, about the, the plight of the rebels in, in a second here. But I want to go through these characters first, uh, our main characters in particular. Luke, distraught, I mean, just completely wrecked after his, his failure, his, his confrontation with Darth Vader. A, because of the information that he learned and, and his sorting out that, those feelings, his, his shame and embarrassment that, that Vader is his father, the, the sort of conflicting emotions that he feels about all this and, and you know, the, the desire to hide it and to, to squash it and to make sure no one ever finds this information out. And again, the, just the complete shattering of his confidence. Like Darth Vader battle with him wrecks him and Vader and Luke has no idea Luke questions the path that he's on will he be a Jedi can he be a Jedi knowing these things now and having again gotten his butt completely kicked by Darth Vader and one of the more interesting aspects of this particular run thus far has been Lando uh, because Lando make takes a big big jump in in who he is at the end of Empire in the films to who he is in Return of the Jedi and there, ha there had to be an arc there. There had to be some growth and development there. He doesn't just become a general in the Republic overnight. No, no, no. This comic is so good at, at, at showing Lando as, as very much the selfish, self-involved administrator of Cloud City. And again, the lack of trust that Leia and Chewbacca and, and, and the rest of the Rebels have towards Lando because of his actions on Bespin. It's a fascinating... Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just fascinating so far. I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm, I'm trying to not give spoilers away here either. There's a, there's a lot of really good stuff. Well, there might be some minor, minor, minor spoilers, but, but some of the stuff going on with Lando is really, really interesting, and a lot of it hasn't played out to its, to its full conclusion yet, so it's kind of hard to say if it's, if it's going to land or not yet. But I, I love where we're finding these characters when this book opens. And I should mention, too, that these, this first... The entire series thus far has been written by Charles Soule, who did uh, the High Republic, uh, the first of the High Republic novels that I spoke so highly of. Uh, so a big fan of Charles Soule. He's done a lot of great work for Marvel in the past. His Daredevil run in particular is one of my personal favorites. Uh, amongst the many great Daredevil runs that have popped up over like the last rough stretch of years. But Charles Soule knows what he's doing here. And what he's brought to the characters and, and the, the, the emotional pain that they're in at the start of the series, the, 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 the sort of turmoil that they're all, they all find themselves in because of what happened, uh, because of the Empire striking back, has made it uh, just a, a really 
in my opinion, fascinating read. And I love the conflict, the conflict within the rebellion so much. And one of the key aspects of the story is at after evacuating Hoth, the rebel forces scatter. They're, they're, they're across the galaxy. And so there's a, there's, there's a, a tiny moment here that they just have chosen to explore from between when our heroes escape Bespin when they launch into hyperspace to when we catch up with them at the Rebel fleet and uh, Luke has his prosthetic hand. The, the first six issues actually take place between that moment. And it, it's actually really, really fascinating to kind of explore that short period of time with, like I said, a very shaken Luke, a very unsteady Princess Leia, but who must rally quickly because of what's happening with the Rebel forces. Um, it's, it is really, really great, rich, fertile ground to explore. And I think thus far, not only through the first six issues, but through the first 12, I think Charles Soule has done a really great job. And again, I, it's, it's so compelling with what's going on with these characters. And, and I love this, the psychological aspects of, of exploring the, how they are reacting to what just occurred after, after the defeat at Hoth, the defeat at Bespin. Luke's personal defeat with Vader. It's it's really, really great, great stuff. And, and I am getting such a kick out of this book. One of the neat aspects as well is the incorporation of new characters who we were introduced to from, from different comic books, from different parts of Star Wars lore. Uh, when The Force Awakens first came out, there was this, uh, a, a series of comics. I think it was, I believe it was written by one of my favorites, Greg Rucka, who uh, chronicled these two, these two rebels, uh, during the time of Return of the Jedi, and it would it would be revealed that these are the parents of Poe Dameron. Well, Charles Soule has brought them back and incorporated them into an earlier part of the rebellion. They were part of building Echo Base, and now they're part of the rebellion here. Uh, Poe's mom is a pilot for the rebellion, and uh, his father is a pathfinder, one of these one of these uh, these rebels who helps the Jedi, or excuse me, who helps the rebels you know, find new bases and establish headquarters and gets them information and does a kind of like recon missions for them in, in a sense. It's, it's really fascinating stuff. And if you've read the High Republic series, it's also Charles Soule incorporating a lot of the stuff that he introduces in that period of the Republic into the Rebellion. Pathfinders were, were a type of Jedi in, this, in that bygone era of the Republic. And they, they talk about Starlight, uh, the Starlight base, and they talk about there's references to the Nile, and I, that's so wonderful for me because uh, it, I have always one of the one of the aspects of Star Wars I've always enjoyed is it as a as this wonderful tapestry that keeps getting new elements woven into it. And so when you have someone referencing something from another aspect of the lore of the mythology, that's one of those things that just kind of like tickles my fancy. It makes me so extremely, extremely happy. And Charles Soule, it probably helped that Charles Soule wrote that book. So he was obviously more inclined to, to, to reference his own material. But I love that incorporation. It, it, to me, again, it enriches that tapestry that is the Star Wars galaxy so very, very much. Uh, one of the big driving forces in these first uh, 12 issues is the fact that the, Re the Rebellion figures out that the Empire has cracked all their codes. And now they know where the rebels are. So whenever a rebel fleet makes contact with another rebel fleet, the Empire can track them. And they show up and are basically decimating the, 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 the remaining forces of the, rebel, of the rebel alliance after Hoth. Tiny spoiler, I know. But again, there's a huge t chunk of time that we have to, to cover between Empire and Jedi. So we have to get to the place, again, seeing the Empire at its full might 
just wrecking house against the Rebel Alliance. And and where do we get? How do we get to the place where the Rebels have a massive fleet that they can launch against the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi? That's what this book is covering. That's what we're going to get to. We're only twelve issues in. I believe the first volume that took place between Star Wars and Empire was 75-ish issues. So, I mean, we just did the first 12. We were only 12 issues in, and I haven't gotten to specific details. I'm just kind of giving you, like, the broad strokes. And you get some really great villainy with the Empire. You're introduced to some new characters on the Imperial side of the fence and their motivations for wanting to destroy the Rebels. There's a lot of... There's, there's um, I don't want to say, like, a vendetta, necessarily, against Princess Leia uh, by, by a certain... Imperial Star Destroyer, but you all you on their side on on the Imperial side of the of the comic on the Imperial side of the fence, you feel the anger they feel for the destruction of the Death Star, for the loss of their comrades and allies and friends and and siblings and and and, and all that. And it's again, it makes the Empire more than one dimensional space Nazis, which I think we all like enjoy thinking of the Empire as space Nazis. But listen. <laughs> This is a more fully in, in fully uh, developed empire in these comics, and and so that, that's really a really interesting aspect to explore. And I think you will all get a kick out of uh, seeing seeing that and exploring that, and and seeing how the loss of of people like Grand Moff Tarkin has impacted some of these Imperial admirals and Imperial, and imperial officers. The the destruction of the of the Death Star, how it has impacted them on on personal levels. It's it's really it's really great stuff. I I am beyond stoked. I like that first volume that that Jason Aaron wrote a big chunk of, um, but this I don't I, again I don't want to like measure them necessarily. But one you know Empire is my favorite movie in the original trilogy, and and one of the reasons is because I like how the tables get turned in it. I I enjoy seeing the might of the Empire and and feeling that imperial oppression, and it, that's one of my favorite aspects of Star Wars Rogue One. And that's why I think Rogue One is my favorite of the new movies. Is because you feel that 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 grip, that that oppressive grip that the Empire has across the galaxy, and you feel that in this comic. But this comic is also laying the groundwork for for Princess Leia and, and the rebellions and their and their key their key uh, their their key belief, which is hope that hope is will will prevail and 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 hope that they will be the ones to overcome the empire and, and tyranny in the galaxy. That, that is, you know, obviously the fundamental theme of, of the rebellion and their cause. And, and they do a really good job of, of, you know, putting, putting the rebels in a terrible position. And we know how it ends. I, I mean, listen, we know how it ends. We've seen return of the Jedi, right? But the journey is so much fun and I can't wait to see how this plays out. I hope Charles Soule uh, stays on this book and, and as long as possible. I, I hope he's mapped this all out and I hope he takes us right up to the opening moments of Return of the Jedi. Oh, because that's another element too. That is another key piece of this of this story is the the beginnings the for, the beginning of the forming forming of the plan to rescue Han Solo. The exploration of well, where is Han? You know, we've already in this comic they established that Boba Fett does not st- fly straight to Tatooine and drop off the carbonite frozen body of Captain Solo. No, no, no. There's other things in play here. And and again, we talked about it in previous episodes when we talked about how uh, Marvel's doing War of the Bounty Hunters, which is all about Boba Fett trying to protect his his uh his cargo, his precious valuable cargo of Han Solo's frozen body. We're getting there. And the, the, again, in these first uh, twelve issues, they establish. I think it's in 
in the first six, honestly, that Chewbacca and Lando go to Tatooine, much like we see them take off at, at the end of Empire, and establish the fact that Boba Fett's not there yet. Han Solo has not been delivered. So we know something's going on. Something has delayed Boba Fett's arrival, or he's laying low because he knows he has the most precious cargo in the galaxy right now. And again, that's going to be explored. This War of the Bounty Hunters is coming out, I believe, next month. It kicks off. And we're, we're going to be covering that uh, as well over here on MandoVision. So, so get ready. But this, this comic book is so much fun. And even if you're not a comic book reader by, by, by nature, um, you know, find the trade paperbacks. You know, you can pick them up on Amazon, but I'm, su I'm sure you all have uh, small independent comic book stores or, or bookstores that probably carry these as well. And they could definitely use your, your patronage right now. So swing over or check them out. You know, a lot of places have put in, a lot of local stores have put in uh, online purchasing uh, protocols in place because of the pandemic. So even if you're not quite ready to go out, maybe you haven't gotten your vaccine or you're, you're just kind of concerned or you're just busy in general, uh, put, in your, put in an order with your local bookstore and then get your hands on, I believe at least volume one is out by now. I, th I think issue 12 just came out, so they probably haven't collected those just yet. But you can at least get that first six, which, by the way, has completely stellar art by Jesus Saez. Oh, boy. Gorgeous. Gorgeous art in these first six issues. And it's real good in issues uh, six through 12. But you, get, you have two different artists doing the work on there. But they, they, they kill it, too. But Jesus Saez in these first six, just mwah, beautiful stuff. So, so very, very good. I think that's kind of all I want to say about these stories. Like I said, there's some really interesting stuff in here. I don't want to get too spoilery. Like I said, the, the Empire's cracked the Rebels' code. That is a big, big problem for the Rebel Alliance. And their fleets are scattered because of this, because they know they can't come in contact without, with their forces without drawing the attention of the Empire. And, and ooh, it's good stuff. It's really compelling. They do a nice job uh, balancing the, the characters' dramatic tension with each other with against the, 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 the space opera that is Star Wars and the space battle element. You know, They do a really good job with X-Wing battles, space combat, all that really good stuff, but I love the tension, and I love, I love that everyone hates Lando right now. I really am digging that. And again, I really like this this shaken, not confident version of Luke. Uh, it, it speaks volumes to the Luke that we will see in Jedi. And I, again, I want to go on that journey with him. I want to go on that journey with Leia, and how she keeps it together, how she balances her personal feelings for Han against the responsibilities of running the Rebellion. And this is the book that's going to deliver it for us. This is a, a wonderful period of time to cover in, in Star Wars. So uh, this comic book is killing it, and I definitely think it's worth your attention. And with that being said, I am going to wrap it up. And that's just the Star Wars book. We're going to be back very soon to talk about the Darth Vader comic book because that's going to be good stuff too. Ooh, I already got some... I just started that, and I already got some thoughts. But that is good stuff. Get ready. All right, Bucketheads. Thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is via social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you once again for all your support. And, and, and I'm I, I so appreciative of all the people who take the time to download and reach out to me on social media. It's so much fun. I'm having a blast doing the show. I'm having a blast doing the people are digging it. We're having a great time over here. And again, we're getting ready to crush Season 2 of The Clone Wars. And we're also getting ready to cover The Bad Batch. Going to be a lot of fun. A lot of good stuff coming up. You guys all take care of each other. We're Star Wars fans. We need to watch out for each other. Whether we're old, long-time fans like me or the new fans as well, welcome. Everyone should be welcomed into, the, into this fun club, and uh, we do not we do not distinguish 
old fan from new fan. Everyone is equal here. All right. Remember that. Keep that in mind when, uh, you know, some kids telling you that the Phantom Menace is his favorite movie. That's okay. Everyone's allowed to like Star Wars, no matter how they like it. All right. Let's get out of here. Remember, we are on all your favorite podcasting platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora Music, Amazon Music, Audible. So many, many more. If you can, if you can, take the time. Write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, share the show with all, your, all the other Mandalorians in your covert. Share it with your friends, your family, the people you who you have life debts to, uh, the people you have blood feuds with. That's great, too. Uh, share it with your favorite hut. We didn't even talk about the huts in this book. That's for you all to read. Don't worry. The huts are in here. Hey, Jabba Nobada. All right. Let's wrap it up. And there's only one way to end this podcast. And this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Fast ship. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. 